When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Be Good and Rewatch It, a Waypoint podcast where we take a close look at movies and television and examine their themes, craft, and relationship to our own times. This week, I have another objection. Your Waypoint <laughs> podcast's infamous fan fiction tangent. I know it all. Is such a podcast to be endured? Are the shades of your podcast app to be so polluted? Well, I guess we'll find out today with our final episode, covering the final two parts of the 1995 BBC Pride and Prejudice production starring Jennifer Ely and Colin Firth. But first, I'm your host, Rob Zachney, and I'm joined for this final episode of our of our magical trip down memory lane uh, by Danielle like Riendo. Uh, starring Danielle Riendo. <laughs> Natalie, I'm sorry, I cut you off. That's okay. I just said I was going to say I like how we're calling this the final so that we have to do it. We have this has <laughs> to be to the final. The this has reason. to be the final episode. <laughs> That was me, like that was me, like definitely burning the bridge behind yeah, us, and yeah, just like yeah. here, we we it's winter, go home. The the uh, sun is coming we'll up, and the moon shadow rocks are no longer lit. There's <laughs> lava behind us. We must go forward. Wow, that's a Dragon Prince reference. <laughs> listen to our which Dragon you can Prince listen about podcast. listen to on waypoints on the main waypoint radio feed. Uh, if you've been like, damn, this podcast, which has been extremely relevant to my interest in the BBC Pride and Prejudice series, has made me curious about their other content. Well, do you like video games and other random topics? Do we have the feed for you? Uh, anyway, as I said, later we'll be joined by our uh, editor-in-chief, Austin Walker. But we also have our producer, Kato, working the boards. But to start us out. <laughs> Natalie. Oh, I'm here. I'm what ready. happens no, at no, the beginning it. of episode okay. four? Thank you, thank you, Rob. So, last week, at the end of a close analysis of the final scene at Pemberley, we kind of agreed that by the close of episode four, the central romantic tension has been resolved. It no longer feels like there's any doubt that Elizabeth and Darcy uh, have sort of settled their differences and understanding of one another, even if nothing has been said directly on the subject. Which I think poses a bit of a problem for the rest of this miniseries, and certainly an immediate problem for the next stage of Darcy's renewed courtship of Elizabeth Bennet, which introduces us to his sister Georgiana and reintroduces the Bingleys uh, to the story. Natalie, you want to tell us a little bit about what happens in the sort of the first the first chapter of this fifth episode here? I would love to, um, mostly because I can't wait to roast Caroline Bingley. For the absolute mess she is. But we, we, the scene begins. (laughs) We are in the inn in which uh, Elizabeth is staying with her aunt and uncle in um, 
Lambton. Derbyshire, Lambton, yes. Derbyshire, what, is like the larger region? It's the county. And then it's like Lambton, and then Pemberley's the house, right? Okay, yeah. got it. So we're at Lambton's Inn called the Bull Inn, and great name for an inn, IMO. And it's got a great sign. <laughs> great sign, yeah. It's really just the the branding there is just mwah, on point. Do you do you like thick cows? That's the that's the question of this era. That's how you know quality <laughs> establishment. Just big, thick, cow. thick big bowl. cows. Yeah. And we know they do from the breakfast they've been having. Yes, as well. Definitely so, large, yes. large amount quantities of meats um, are present. So. Uh, uh, Mr. Darcy decides to pay Elizabeth a visit at the inn, and he's joined by, as you know, in the last episode, Mr. Darcy and, and Elizabeth say their goodbyes, but Mr. Darcy has one, one final favor to ask of Miss Elizabeth, which is, may I please have the pleasure of introducing you to my sister Georgiana. So, here it is, here she come, Georgiana and Mr. Darcy walk in, and Mr. Bingley is also also there. Um, and basically, uh, 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 Elizabeth and Georgiana have this like first sort of um, um, meeting and they're talking about music. Uh, Georgiana is like, I hear you're she's so sweet and good and pure. And I love her so much. I have such a sweet spot for her. And she's like. She basically outs her brother, kind of, and is like, "I've heard you're such an incredible player. I heard I've heard that you know you you play and sing so well. And uh, you know my brother. She says my brother has told me he's rarely heard anything that gave him more pleasure. And like Darcy's talking about this tells us basically Darcy's out here talking about his feelings about Elizabeth, and. Which is an interesting contrast to sort of the rest of his peer group's uh, sort of understanding of where Mr. Darcy is at on her, which we'll get to in a second. Um, Mr. Bingley walks in, too. And um, it, there's also a really sweet moment where, uh, you know, Elizabeth is like, you seem to have, you know, just the ideal older brother. It seems that he's just like stand-up guy and she's like yes but you know and she's like i i only have sisters and she's like yes but i would have liked to have a sister and there's like a a really sweet moment where you see like the possibility for a relationship here forming between georgiana and and elizabeth that i want that fanfic please i want to see them be friends (laughs) friendfic yes um so uh mr bingley walks in and is like I'm like is just pumped. He's like so hyped to be here. He's so hyped to like just be in contact with someone from the Bennett family again because that's just like one degree away from Jane. And he's like, he asks, he's like, he's trying to like sort of test the waters. And he's like, are all of your sisters still at Longbourn? Basically asking like, has anyone left? Is anyone married? Is Jane married? Has Jane moved on? Is Jane okay? Is she in, is she still there? And uh, Elizabeth like very like knowingly smiles and is like, I'll accept one. And there's like a split, split second where <laughs> Bingley is just on the verge of being crushed. And then she's like, my youngest sister is at Brighton. And he's like, oh, Okay. Uh, which is just very good, very good. Um, so anyway, it it's also 
I I think this is like the most characterization we get of Mr. Bingley in this one scene where he is like specifically referencing the like specific date that they last were together. He's like this 26th of November must have been the last time I saw you at the at the dance at Netherfield where you know I had such a great time dancing with you. And and you know the times I spent in Hertfordshire were absolutely the some of the best of my life. And you just get to see how much that time truly meant to him and how much the time he spent with Jane and Elizabeth were just like some of his fondest memories. And I love this because you don't really get to hear Bingley's feelings up until this point. Like you only get Caroline sort of just fucking up and saying that, you know, he doesn't care, he's this, he's that. And then you get you know, the last sort of thing was Darcy saying that he didn't he was trying to protect him and in 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 the in the bad, extremely bad proposal. And so I love the scene because you really get to see just how much Jane is like at the forefront of his mind, even after these eight months that they've been apart. Um, which is just like really, really cute. <laughs> the body yes. language. Oh, sorry. No, go for it. I was just briefly gonna say mm-hmm. the body language here is amazing. Because one of the few scenes uh, that's not just a Jane Lizzie that is just really positive vibes. Like real, everybody's kind of happy to be in the room. Everybody's smiling. Everybody's like excited and happy. There's no like Debbie Downers mm-hmm. just kind of keeping things from being like, oh, this is, these are p- genuinely people who like each other and want to get to know each other better and or uh, folks want to just get married. <laughs> and it's like a really like happy light kind of experience in a, in a series that is full of, oh, there's a doubter over there. There's a hater over here. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of negativity over there. So it's like, it was a very nice scene. In that yeah. Way. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, I think that serves a couple purposes, right? Like we need this kind of really buoyant scene because we don't know it yet, but we're on the eve of disaster yeah. here. Yes. So like, it, it, like this is a point where everything feels like this could all just be about to resolve. Yeah. Like everything is going swimmingly. I also think, uh, Natalie, you raise a good point there, which is that we as an audience need reassurance about the same thing that like Darcy leveled against Jane. Yeah. We have not actually seen signs of we know that Bingley thought Jane was pretty. Yeah. But at this point we also know that he was so to us at least easily dissuaded mm-hmm. against continuing to pursue her and then mm-hmm. to kind of just cut communication with her over the winter. Mm-hmm. Like at, we we kind of need reassurance to verify that like he's for real in mm-hmm. this too that like this this mattered to him. Yeah. Uh because as much as like D- Jane was hard for, you know, Darcy to read. Yeah. At this point, we also don't have much insight into Bingley's uh, inner life and feelings. Yeah. It's only just now at the end of the series that we get the conversations between Darcy and Bingley that we've had between Jane and and Elizabeth. Um, so many of those conversations happen behind closed doors that we didn't have access to. And so it is just now that the, the, the that sort of intimacy and, and Bingley's true feelings, Darcy's true feelings are coming forward. And it's just like such a beautiful time <laughs> to be very quickly uh, 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 ruined, basically. <laughs> um, so, so... Um, 
they Georgiana makes a request of it's very cute. She like goes up to Darcy and is like, whisper, whisper, whisper. And then Darcy's like, uh, Elizabeth, Miss Elizabeth, my sister has a request. And it's just very cute. Um, if uh uh Elizabeth and her aunt and uncle would come to Pemberley for dinner um, the next evening. And Georgiana, like, insists on hearing Elizabeth play. It's adorable. It's very cute. It's, like, there's just so much, like, pure, like, admiration for the person that Darcy has painted uh, Elizabeth to be for Georgiana. And I just love that it... It is, like, such a positive, like, there are no, I mean, Georgiana's young. She's 15, but there are no doubts. Like, she doesn't, she wholly trusts her brother's opinion and, like, is so excited to see that version of Elizabeth, which seems to be, like, the true Elizabeth, except for the fact that Elizabeth is supposedly not good at the piano and not a good singer, <laughs> even though when the scene opens up as they're at Pemberley, like Elizabeth is killing it. Like she's <laughs> like playing the piano extremely well and is like singing extremely beautifully. Yeah. And I will say that the film um, kind of does Elizabeth's skills a little bit more justice because you can see Kira's uh, Elizabeth like fucking up a little bit on the <laughs> on the notes and she she doesn't choose I don't think she she doesn't sing in the in the film but in uh in the in the show it's like she just does incredible and I wish that they would have let her like mess up a little bit and show that she's not show that show to what degree Darcy just is like so enamored with who Elizabeth is that just just absolutely sees the best in her and like little like mistakes of notes or whatever I don't know I don't play music but like little mess ups or whatever don't deter from the experience of having her company and the experience of hearing her play um so we uh uh Georgiana, she finishes the song and Georgiana's like, that was incredible. And she was like, you have to know as a piano player that I fudged and like moved through my through that song like a little bit more like just like carelessly than I could have. And I was just trying to trying to get by. And then um, there's a moment where uh, like you finally get. I think I wrote this down. I was like, you finally get the connection between Elizabeth and Darcy just looking at each other and mm. smiling. Like Darcy's actually smiling and they're like across the room and unafraid to make eye contact and unafraid to... So and that's like a very visual, like obvious thing. Like yeah. that is not... That's not going to go unnoticed. So I just I just dropped into the uh, podcast chat. There is this epic thread from Alana Bennett, uh, who's a culture writer and TV critic uh, who BuzzFeed stupidly laid off uh, a few, you know a couple months ago uh, as they stupidly laid off just about everyone else. But uh, Alana Bennett has this epic thread where she ta- where she argues that the number one thing a man in a rom com needs, TV or movie, is the ability to look at their love interest really well. The man barely <laughs> mm-hmm. even needs to speak if he kn- if he just knows how to look at a person. And the thread is great because it's like her giving examples of like the look that like without kind of any words. 
tells you like that this is this is this is endgame, right? This this is for real. Yeah. Um and I don't think it is a look we have seen throughout this series, but it's like we finally get it here mm-hmm. with Darcy looking like Darcy is, I think, looking elsewhere as Georgiana and Elizabeth are talking. Mm-hmm. And Elizabeth glances at Darcy and he realizes that they're talking about him mm-hmm. and looks back. <laughs> uh, and I think this is the first we get, right? Like her, him sort of looking across the room and like for the first time, it's not awkward. Like they can just yeah. sort of look at each other. It's it's yeah. great. It's, she's uh, not being like, studied anymore. Right. Right. She's not being she's observed. Being appreciated. Yeah. It's just yeah. like he's like. Yeah, it's like it's not even like he's taking her in. It is very much like some something he's putting out. Like I don't want it I I it's kind of hard to articulate, but the way that this look is I think is successful is not where it's like, oh, I'm just absorbing everything that's in front of me. It's like it is also a giving where you're like you're also kind of putting some of yourself out there and you're just like like it's it is like I appreciate you. I like I'm I I love you. Well, there's a vulnerability to it as well. Too. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. There is a vulnerability. What were you gonna say, Daniel? I, it, honestly, pretty much the same point, but just that it's less self conscious at this. Yeah. Point. Like he he was always yeah. so you know the stuffed shirt in the you know making a face in the center of the room, so conscious of how everybody sees him and his positioning and everybody else's positioning, and here he's just. <sighs> making those love eyes. Yeah, you know? it's not it's a look for there. him. It's a look for her, like t- to her, if that makes sense. Well, yeah. and to this point, every time he did that, like he had this, in addition to being closed off that way, mm-hmm. like wanting to not seem mm-hmm. uh, certainly like love Lauren over anybody, certainly concealing mm-hmm. that. But I think also prior to this, every interaction he had with her also had this, he looked at her like someone working a till being slipped a hundred dollar bill <laughs> and like sort of holding up to the light and like, is this real? Like, I don't see, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think mean, every time he looked at her, he had this sort of like studied, like, am mm-hmm. I being tricked? That's the mm-hmm. other thing is he always had totally. this part of that intensity was like, he always was trying to figure out like, is this a counterfeit person? Like, am I fooling myself? Is this a counterfeit feeling? Am I fooling myself? Is she not who she seems to be? And so he has this really like aggressive, like stare yeah. in those previous episodes. And then the first time that like the entire thing is just relaxed and like, yeah. he's willing to like, just look and be seen looking. Yeah. Totally. Um, it's, it's a great moment. Which is rudely interrupted, oh. I must say, by the uh, fucking scum of the earth, Caroline Bingley, <laughs> oh. um, who uh, uh, Elizabeth walks away from Georgiana and walks towards. So basically the room is set up. Uh, Georgiana is playing on the piano in the corner. And then Caroline, you got classic. Mr. Whatever the fuck passed out in the corner as per usual. <laughs> um, oh, Mr. Hurst. Yeah, Mr. Yeah. Hurst. Just Sleep. always just pass the fuck out. Just Hurst is the worst. <laughs> Hurst is the worst. I mean, he's like, I don't know. He doesn't do shit. Not so, the worst. He's just but asleep. he's just always asleep. Yeah. Um, same, honestly. But uh, so George, uh, so Elizabeth walks towards sort of like the main circle and uh, uh, Miss Bingley uh, asks Elizabeth if the militia are still in Meryton. Oh, 
and uh, Elizabeth immediately knows what the fuck Caroline's trying to do here. Like, Elizabeth is not one to be fooled, um, and is not, especially by Caroline, who she's just seen all the way through from the get-go. And Caroline, and, and Miss Bingley's like, uh, uh, Elizabeth's like, nope, they're actually at Brighton. And uh, Miss Bingley's like, that must be a great loss for your family. Oh. And Elizabeth, like, takes a second. And I was like, in this moment, I was like, what's she going to come back with? What's she going to come back with? What's she going to say? And she's like, we are enduring it as best we can. Like, we are just, we're really trying to get through it. You know, we are going through it, but we're going to get through it. Thank you for your condolences. But we and I'm are leaving gonna... you space to back out of this line of questioning. Exactly. Exactly. She was like, this, this could be a period. This could be an end. This could be just, let's. Talk about the fucking, let's take a turn about the room or something. It's I don't know. <laughs> let's do something else. It's a slip, not a jab. Yeah, She's absolutely. slipping. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but Miss Bingley, a fool, oh. decides to <laughs> keep, keep it going. You know, just keep the banter nice and nice and feisty. So uh, she goes, I should have thought one gentleman's absence might have caused particular pangs. Oh. And Elizabeth is like, don't you fucking say it. Don't you fucking say his name in my presence, you fucking bitch. <laughs> and, of course, she's like, and Elizabeth's like, I can't imagine who you mean. Period. Let's go away from this situation. Let's move. And uh, Miss Bingley says, which, oh, my, okay. Miss Bingley says, I understood that certain ladies found the society of Mr. Wickham, and immediately the camera pans to, or uh, shifts to Georgiana, and Georgiana is just like, looks up and is like in pain. Like she's like, just like so emotionally affected, and you see her like kind of like, like kind of, yeah, like just sort of, yeah, like cringe and stops playing. And uh, uh, Darcy immediately, like, sort of gets riled up and, like, gets ready to, like, get up and, and, and do something. But Elizabeth rushes over to Georgiana to console her and says, and doesn't say anything specific, just says, I'm so sorry. How could I have, like, left you here to play alone? I'm such a bad friend. Like, let me turn <laughs> the pages for you. How could you play without the without the pages being turned? And, like, it goes to, to console her and takes the place of, of Mr. Darcy, takes the place of her brother to console her. Um, and then, again, you look up, and or she looks up and looks at Mr. Darcy and was and there it's just like I was like, here it is. I wrote down what did I write down? Something <laughs> stupid. What did I write down? I said, uh okay, now we get the sexy eyes. That's what I wrote <laughs> down. Which is like we finally I mean sex, whatever, but we finally get it's it's more than sex. It's like just a deep appreciation for that that specific act and also just like who she is as a person to have you know Elizabeth could have stood there and gone to bat with Caroline a hundred percent but instead chooses to walk away and like old Elizabeth probably would have done that the previous Elizabeth and and who you know I do think there's been an emotional change but I also do think that the knowledge of what's happened to Georgiana and Elizabeth's like 
she does sympathize and she does empathize. And especially like looking at her like a younger sister, I think there is a certain degree of sort of like caretaker that she's like she wants to uh, replicate for for Georgiana or just like it's like almost like something natural. It's like not like she's trying to step in, but she's just she wants to be there for her. And so this version of Elizabeth is like this like sort of more mature more contextualized um in terms of what the what what the makings and inner workings of this society speci- this specific society Darcy Bingley Wickham um de Berg, everyone how it works she takes herself out of the equation because that was a dig at Caroline wasn't digging at Georgiana and I don't even know if Caroline knows about Georgiana. She doesn't know. No, there's no way. Like she's she's classless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's no way she is. I, like a. I actually don't make her out to be that cruel. Yeah. But also that is like the one thing guaranteed to get you like choked by Mister Mister Darcy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like this is <laughs> like he choke. like he's yeah. ready to come off that couch. Yeah. You know. Yeah. He was ready to fucking square up immediately. And so, <laughs> um, but the fact that that Elizabeth removes herself from the equation even though this these insults are being directed at her and in a situation where she would have stood up for herself and 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 vocal vocally like have you know uh retaliated against Caroline she instead takes a step back and puts someone else in front somebody else's sort of concerns in front of her and goes to console Georgiana do we see this as her being like not consciously at all, but in some ways, in terms of the story and in terms of how Darcy sees her and all of this, is this is this sort of Lizzie as like family material? Like she's she's like part of the family in some ways here, in terms of like let me deftly defend my my new little sister. Mm-hmm. Not that she's quite there yet, but mm-hmm. or or that she's consciously thinking of it like this. But I saw this as a very like. Not only just growth for her mm-hmm. of of like, yeah, this is just a better way of dealing with this situation instead of just verbally sparring with this mm-hmm. horrible person. But like this is a way of showing care and letting things roll off your shoulders in a way that is like this is a really great way of dealing with like a tough family situation in mm-hmm. some ways. I mean, I think I think it was it felt almost in like she did take a second to consider just a Barely a second. And I think what she sort of saw was that if Mr. Darcy were to get up and like that, there there could have been a scene like immediately, like whether Mr. Darcy gets up to go to Georgiana to console her and then everyone be like, why are you trying to go console Georgiana? Like, what, like you were over here. Why are you over there now? Like, what's <laughs> going on? Or if he got up to confront Caroline, um, which I don't think he would have done, actually. I think, you know. I think Mr. Darcy keeps his private life private and there's a reason why like Caroline doesn't know about Wickham and there's a reason why Bingley hasn't told her about Wink- mm-hmm. Wickham. And so clearly this is something that's like very personal to him which makes the fact that you know he told Elizabeth all of this even more significant the fact that he you know let her into this part of his life that for Elizabeth she she sort of like strategized in her head that the most natural thing to like uh um 
what's the word I'm looking for to de-escalate? De- yeah, de-escalate this situation would be for her to return to Georgiana, who she was just standing with. Like, that's like, that makes sense. Like, if yeah. she just walked back and was like, oh, I'm sorry, like, forgot to turn the pages for you. It's very subtle and, like, wouldn't have been noticed by Caroline or the other people present. And also, like, kind of takes, I think is a little bit of what you're saying, is, like, taking the weight a little bit off Mr. Darcy's shoulders to hold all the burden of this, like, traumatic, you know, uh, uh, drama that's occur family drama and i mean and she lets like she lets caroline win like caroline gets her shot in and doesn't like reply mm-hmm. I, there's definitely an element of this whole scene part of what darcy is doing is he's contextualizing himself with his family like he's mm-hmm. not using georgiana cynically but there's an element of like this is who i am this is who is in my life yeah, yeah. and I, I don't know it's that it Anytime you are meeting a potential significant other's family, there's always this element of imagine how the dynamics would change here, how it would fit within them or how it would change them, how it would improve them. Assuming that everyone has a positive relationship with their family and that is a good thing. There's Mm -hmm. also situations where fitting in with one's family would be the furthest thing from ideal. (laughs) And you'd actually want to say like, hey, if you just want to tell your family to fuck off forever. Um, game but like (laughs) that's not the situation at Pemberley and I think there is an element of like um they're both kind of they've both been kind of playing this game over this last like episode of uh imagine what it might be like Mm -hmm. and this is uh another another moment uh in in that development Mm mm-hmm but you know Caroline from this from this verbal uh, uh, you know, her her head just swelled from this uh from the win of this verbal battle. Decides, no, no, let me take it even further. Oh. And so after after um Elizabeth and her aunt and uncle leave for the night, everyone retires back to the common room for round two, and Caroline begins just talking shit, just at like just being the fucking worst. And just being like a fucking asshole, like she's being Crispin Bonham's Carter Carter's expression, Bingley's expression in the scene is like he is looking at Caroline, just bagging on Elizabeth, the most petty, wide ranging. <sighs> like I just want to trash this girl, and the look on Bingley's face, seeing his sister do this, yeah, is genuinely appalled. I really identify with him in that moment because yeah. it's like watching a loved one, like one, you're realizing like. Oh no, you suck! Like, yeah. like he's having that realization that like yeah. Caroline doesn't just have occasional bad manners. Like Caroline might actually be a dirtbag. Yeah, is like uh, and that is spirited, like in her yeah, core. And, and that is dawning on him as he sees that unfold. And I don't think he's seen it before. Like he looks genuinely shocked by what the hell is happening in front of him, mm-hmm. as if like the thing just like burst from <laughs> the like the you know the the meat suited woven around. <laughs> Yeah, like like that is his look. He look he's looking at Caroline like those fucking dogs are looking at the uh yeah. you know, at the at the yeah, <laughs> the alien dog in, and, in the thing. And he tries to do what what sort of Elizabeth did before and he tries to step in for Miss he like has a brief moment where he's like trying to jump in and de-escalate and Caroline is just relentless and just walks all over him and it's just saying like the worst stuff about Elizabeth and her her appearance basically Looking pale. It's no, just wait, like, was it pale or no, was it tan? Tan, right, Brown. right. She's the tan. opposite of pale. Yeah, 
So thanks for being fucking the worst. But uh, uh, yeah, she um, she's like, we shouldn't even fucking know her anymore. We uh, and she like tags Louisa, who's like the other sister who never speaks. But um, is like, you know, we were talking about it and we think that she's just we shouldn't know her. She sucks. She's ugly. <laughs> she's too tan. Uh, her teeth Mr. Are... Hurst remains drunk on the couch. <laughs> Mr. Hurst is absolutely passed drunk. out. Yep. Um, uh, her teeth are okay, I guess. Um, and she's that dr- was the weird thing, right? Was like, I guess her teeth are okay. Yeah, I guess. Was that like? <laughs> I don't know. I think it was like pre-modern guess... dentistry. If you got good teeth, that's like uh, give, yeah. give it up. I was up. gonna say like... that's got to be worth more than having like good nose or good hair, or whatever the other things, right? Because it's like. Ooh, teeth were a, a, a bit of a We can't fix them. Yeah. <laughs> Not well. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, shout outs to, to teeth. To, to teeth. Um, but teeth. Teeth. <laughs> teeth. No. No. I hate it. Um, but in uh, uh, all of this, it's not for the room. It's, it's towards, it's directly towards Mr. Darcy. Like this is just aimed at him specifically it's not let's all have a laugh it's how are you gonna fucking answer for the past things that you've and like very light compliments that he's paid to her in in caroline's presence like i think she has fine eyes i think they're nice like she he has just barely let caroline on to his feelings for uh um um, for, Lizzie. for Lizzie, right? Um, and 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 references that specifically. He's like, I've heard someone in this room call her eyes fine, but I don't think they're nice. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then Miss Bingley starts talking about uh, when they first met her and how uh, uh, Mr. Darcy specifically said, and I think Mr. Bingley like knew this was coming, and this is why he tried to jump in at this point and was like. Hold on, like <laughs> things have changed. Things have changed, but uh, Mr. Darcy, you know, said something pretty mean about uh, Mr. Darcy was an asshole to to Elizabeth when they first met. Let, full stop. But um, Miss Bingley brings up, or Caroline brings up, you know, an old uh, uh, remark that that he had said about her, um, and. Finally, this this thing ends with with Miss Bingley saying, but now it seems like she's improved on you. Seems like you've sort of warmed up to her. Um, And I think you even like called her pretty once. (laughs) Mr. Bingley's like, yep, I did. And uh, looks back at her and is like. Darcy saying this. Yeah, Darcy. Darcy looks back at Caroline and is like, "It's been many months now that I've considered her to be one of the most handsome women of my acquaintance." And just like, just declares it out there. Just like that's that's how I feel. I think she's beautiful. I was an asshole, and uh, Caroline, you can fuck off and (laughs) please just leave. Uh, why? Yeah, leave. There's a subtext here of, and again, I'm I may not have read this the the you know the way other people read it, uh, but the subtext here for me felt like, and she's prettier than you, and better than you, or at least that she would have taken it that way. That Caroline would have taken it 
this way, given some of that context about her be her being unmarried at whatever age she is. I don't know how old she's supposed to be, but know. a little older than Lizzie, I think, uh, if I'm not completely yeah, mistaken. Somewhere around there. Uh, but like her feeling like, oh, she's of Darcy caliber. Mm-hmm. And she's so insulted and so pissed that she was, you know, somebody who's like has less of a cool family or less of a well upstanding family than her. Mm-hmm. That she takes this person, I mean, she takes this as like, Whoa, she takes it like a slap in the face. At least that's what it looks like to me. Uh, mm-hmm. And I wonder if it's because she like is always comparing herself to Lizzie and always feels so superior to her. And here's Darcy, Mr. Rich <clears throat> Darcy, saying like, oh, no, she's way hotter. Yeah, <laughs> you know, She is the hottest. She is the most beautiful. Yeah. And Caroline being like, oh, my God, more beautiful than me? Yeah. What? That doesn't exist. <laughs> I mean, she is enormously insecure. Yes. Uh, I mean, this this is sort of comes through, like, including to stuff like class class stuff, like her going mm-hmm. out of the way to bag on uh, Sir uh, Sir William Lucas mm-hmm. early on in the series, where like I'm sure he kept a very nice sort of shop before his elevation to knighthood. Like, mm-hmm. she is. Yeah. Insecure in her social position, in her position as a desirable young woman. Mm -hmm. And like a lot of insecure people, her solution to that is to tear people down relentlessly. Yeah. Um, For her own validation. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting the degree to which like Darcy may have indulged that early on. Mm -hmm. Uh, but certainly it's gone way too far by this point. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two things I'll shout out here from the novel is one, um, so it's made explicit in the narration of the, of, uh, of, of the novel that Caroline is ab like she knows the game is up and she is just making him say it. She is just Mm -hmm. like continuing to poke until she like, until basically, uh, you know, she gets her finger, uh, you know, broken in the in the encounter, and basically like forces somebody to say like you're you're out of the picture here. Mm-hmm. This is not this is, you know fetch is not going to happen. Yeah, um, <laughs> nice. and and so there's kind of a sad des- and I think this comes through in Anna Chancellor's performance. There's a sad desperation to everything she has done throughout oh, this uh, dinner party. Yeah, it's um, like it's it's not it's pathetic. Is what it yeah. is. It's like it's very like sad and awkward and trying, and you hate to see it. Like it is just, <laughs> hate, yep. you hate yeah. to see, see it. You do. <laughs> it's it's so uncomfortable yeah. because it is such. It, she's just putting her her validation, her self worth, all the way out there on the degradation of Elizabeth's self worth. And uh, value. And so it's just, it's it's rough. Yeah. Last thing I'll say here too is a thing that I'm not sure comes through in this adaptation or they decided to downplay it. In the Austin work, uh, it is made pretty much explicit that Georgiana may have like actual like social anxiety. Uh, mm-hmm. Like her descriptions in every scene, she is someone who has a great difficulty speaking mm-hmm. uh, in like large company. Mm-hmm. Um, she is sort of paralyzed by like there actually never is a dinner at Pemberley in mm-hmm. the uh, in, in the novel. They never get to that. Uh, what ends up happening is they go visit. They call on Georgiana for tea, and Georgiana asked to host. Mm-hmm. And the description is something I, I think all of us can identify with. Georgiana views this 
new obligation as being mistress, like, you know, mistress of Pemberley, uh, you know, as the, as the eldest woman uh, in the house, mm-hmm. she views the obligation of having to keep house and play hostess to a, an assembly of like gentlemen and uh, you know, and ladies, she views like every step of that as just a potential, like another social landmine she can hit. <laughs> and it's like kind of a heartbreaking scene because mm-hmm. like, I think we've all had those moments where, you are being asked to like play a role for, you know, socially acceptable reasons, but like you are not comfortable in that yet, or you're not of age to be comfortable in that role. Mm-hmm. And Georgiana has this like real, um, real depth of like reserve and fear uh, mm-hmm. throughout her scenes that I feel like in this portrayal comes through a little bit, but I think they've downplayed it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is a little downplayed. I think you can, kind of see it when Georgiana is like hesitant to even play in the first place. Um, And it is only sort of that Lizzie is there that it feels like kind of safe. Yeah. I I think she finds a lot of comfort in Lizzie's presence. Um, And so, but yeah, I wish that would have come out a little bit more because I think Georgiana is a fascinating character and I have a lot of love for her. Yeah. Makes you hate Wickham more too. Like, no. really, like, the depth of the cruelty that he's perpetrated. Like, when you meet Georgian, you realize how young she is. Yeah, she's how, a fucking child. Like, yeah, how shy. You know what I mean? Like, when you realize just what a kid she is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's really like, preying on someone innocent in this way. Yeah. Yeah. It's really upsetting. Yeah. He's absolutely and a so, Yeah. Um. So. Which is a good place to break, actually. Yes. Uh, and we're gonna we're gonna tag Austin here uh, because that very subject is about to become uh, basically the main plot arc of the last two episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to break here, and uh, we're gonna bring in Austin. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. All right, and we're back, and we are joined uh, by Austin Walker. Austin, welcome back from your uh, midnight sojourns with Sekiro. Yeah, thank you for having me. I took a nap, and I feel like a person. So now I can talk about this show I like a lot. <laughs> uh, so where we left things off. There's ninjas or, here, I suppose right? we're, we're right Yes. Now. There's ninja, uh, nin- shinobi are here. The shinobi, this is the chapter where Austin, the shinobi. You have to turn Time to go back off. to bed, Austin. Okay. The shinobi don't invade. That's not. No. No, that's no. not this hmm. game. Are you sure? We're not doing the last samurai uh, rewatch yet. <laughs> yet, um, uh, yeah. I don't think Cruise. I can do it. No, Tom I don't think Cruise. I can do it. I don't know that that's uh, on the cu- in the cards. <laughs> you sure? Yeah, yeah. I'm. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm fine new with found, that. Newfound, we- newfound weeb saves traditional Japan. <laughs> yeah, I love no, it. Pass. Uh, <laughs> all right. So I got carded at that movie, by the way. Wow. And I was like twenty something. 
I don't remember how old I was, but they were like, are you 13 yet? Wow. <laughs> no. 21, maybe? I forget no what year way. they came out. I for real got carded. That's wild. At that movie. Jeez. I was called out for not having a wakazashi with my <laughs> Good. Uh, katana. Uh, so I, I was banned from the midnight screening. Uh, Wait, by who? What? Okay. No. <laughs> no. It's fine. We're going to keep moving. I'm no, not going to get into the importance of the various blades and which one is the... Anyway, we're going to keep moving. All right. Here's the deal. Uh, so we open the next day with... What episode Tom are we Darcy, on? Darcy, actually. Trying... Still on sorry, five. six. We're you'll, on fi- five. you'll figure this out. Don't okay. worry. Wait, about are it. we on five or six? We're on five. We're on five. Okay, sorry. We just My finished we- act one. <laughs> All right. So we open with Darcy the next morning, uh, getting himself very fancy, uh, extremely fancy. Maybe the fanciest thing we see him wear in the entire series. He's got one of those striped fabrics that like Ooh. are kind of held clean. You know, people bust those out for like a special occasion. And he gets his finest hat and he goes into town to call on Elizabeth just before he gets there. She gets a piece of mail from home. Actually, two pieces of mail from home. Weird. One of them was misdirected at first because the address was sort of scrawled in haste. And she says, sends her aunt and Uncle Gardner uh, off on their morning walk while she sits home and reads these new letters from her sister Jane. And they begin with a sort of, uh, you know, update on just the pace of life at home. Everything is fine and normal. And then there's a break in the letter. And then all hell breaks loose. As Jane relates that Lydia has vanished from Brighton. Uh and apparently run off with Mr. Wickham. Mm-hmm. And the story is that they were headed to Scotland uh, to Gretna Green to get married. Uh, but in the second le- letter, it turns out they did not go to Scotland at all. They went to London, which means they are not married. And they have been living together. Oh, no. This, mm. Yes. Living in sin oh. uh, for for some time in London. Uh, without without any sort of supervision or or chaperoning, it is obviously like this is a disaster. Um, and, Sex and to is be fair, happening. Yes. Well, also they literally have no idea where the hell Lydia is. This right. is this they is the other thing. Very know. pointed. Yeah. Yeah. Like they do not know if she is safe, healthy. Like literally, they have no idea where Lydia is. She has vanished with Mister Wickham. Uh, but the other concern looming here is that she has also disgraced the family. Um. So, before we get into all of that, Darcy emer- like bursts into the scene just as Elizabeth is trying to find her aunt and uncle. Uh, he, you know, tries to you know calm her down a little bit. He wants to hear what like clearly she's in great distress. He asks this, what's going on. This cracked me up because he comes in and he's <laughs> like, "You're ill." Are you sick? <laughs> Do you need a doctor? Do you need a glass of wine? Like, I see you're crying, but you must just be like under the weather, right? Like, you just are you need... having woman feelings? <laughs> you must also, be ill. What a mensch! She's like, I need my aunt and uncle right now, and he's like, You cannot go yourself. Let me go. Actually, let a servant go. Hey, servant, uh, go find uh, like like it is a very uh, tuxedo mask moment that Darcy has uh, at this at this instant. Very much like kind of like being helpful without actually helping anything. Yeah, yeah. But the point is, uh, he sit, he sits down and he asks, "What's what's wrong? What's wrong, Boo?" And 
Which is she, very sweet, actually. I found the scene to be actually very sweet for him to show this kind of gentleness, again, as the person who has been this very reserved, very stuck-up person, actually yeah, being he, like, very gentle. He holds her he hand. He takes her hand, mm-hmm. yeah. He, he actually seems like he mm-hmm. gives a shit. He actually cares, even though he clearly thinks she's but also, sick because she has feelings. But yeah, it's it's a step. It is a step. It is a step. <laughs> but by the end of this encounter... He's like immediately back in stone, stone yes. face mode. And and that has a very significant impact on Lizzie. Yes. And she's like, well, we fucked it. Yep. Lydia <laughs> fucked it for all of us. <laughs> Darcy. Now, we had it. We had done. it. Yeah. We're right there. Wait, she was like, I got it unlocked. I bet I could even make the Jane Bingley situation work out. Yeah. I, I can make it happen. Yeah. I was like, nope, no, I can't. Not nope. anymore. This Not is the any- one thing. <laughs> Not anymore. And well, she's just like. Completely devastated. She's like, that's the end of that. I will never see him again. Aww. And I was like, okay, take a step back. Mm-hmm. But also, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, she has no... The thing The thing is, what because the face he presented ages ago was so judgmental, yeah. so cruel, that when he retreats now into... Uh, first of all, this is definitely revisiting a trauma for him. Uh, but also when he retreats into reflecting on his own culpability, his guilt for for this situation and like where it might reside, the fact that Wickham is still out there doing the same shit. Uh, when he retreats into that, Lizzie immediately thinks, ah, there's the old Darcy. He is done with me because this yeah. vera this this proves everything he has thought ab- about my family. And then he and then he sort of again really whiffs on expressing support and solidarity (laughs) as he's like, yeah, I got to go. Peace. Bye. (laughs) Just like heel turns gone. Yep. Uh, But I am, I am curious real quick. Was Darcy was going to totally propose that, right? Yeah. Oh, I think so. I had that vibe. He was like, all right, I know what type of day it's going to be. I'm going to show up and I'm going to put on my best green jacket. Yep. Uh-huh. And then this happened. He's like, okay. Gotta go. Yeah. Well. Which I, which is part of why I think he puts the stone face back on. He's like, he can't. My read on this scene is that he's upset about it. And I know in his heart of hearts, he's like, all right, how do I, how do I fix this immediately? Yeah. But I don't know that he can even start to explain where his head is at without revealing where he had been at before. And I think that to some degree he is probably rethinking like, okay, if I can't fix this, then what? Mm-hmm. And it's, and, you know, you can't play armchair psychiatrist with him too much because mm. there's just not that much to play with here. But that is my 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 guess. It's just like, yeah. or why I don't read him as a bad person for walking out the door at that moment where he's just like, all right, I was hyper composed and now I am barely composed at all. <laughs> yeah. I had a whole speech prepared and right. now I thought she was sick. It turns out she was not sick, which meant I <laughs> Really couldn't proceed with plan A. Instead, she is uh, potentially disgraced, which yeah. not a good look. And um, just to uh, to continue, like just to follow this beat up, uh, yeah. this is jumping ahead a little bit. But Darcy's still working through so many things that later in the evening he's back at Pemberley, uh, and Caroline is doing her usual like snide shit. <laughs> And he finally just looks at Caroline and he just looks at it like she starts to make reference to the fact that Lizzie is gone. And he just looks at her and is like, what? Yeah. And storms out of his house <laughs> and into, into a carriage where he's apparently proceeding to London. Uh, but I do Unbeknownst love the- Unbeknownst to Lizzie. Yeah. And I, I just do love the the Darcy like, who 
are you mm-hmm. yeah. uh, reaction at that moment. Yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, Lizzie has to rush back to Longbourn mm-hmm. and be there for her family, get the scoop. Um, I think as we talk about the situation with Lydia, there's a couple things. One is that one of the, 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 the real crisis here for the story and for the Bennett family is that Lydia has disgraced the family. Mm-hmm. And this entire plot arc is like f- like built on a foundation of uh, sexual control of young women, mm-hmm. of outdated uh, you know gender gender norms and uh, sexual mores, and there's a hearty degree of Lydia being like slut shamed in this plot arc. Yes, I think another aspect of the story though is that. Setting all of that aside, Lydia is also a very problematic sister. Uh, <laughs> like the the reason she is being castigated are bullshit, but at the same at the same time, what is increasingly revealed throughout the story is a degree to which Lydia is also an unbelievably selfish sister, yes. uh, and and heedless and. Uh, kind of indifferent to what her, how her, like what her, how her actions can affect her family. So I, so I see this partially. Um, I can't not read it in a modern way because of who I am, of course. And I just want to give her, you know, birth control and prep and a lot of condoms <laughs> and be like, you go and you do, you go be a horny teenager because that's what you are. But, but trying to read this in the spirit of the times and the spirit of the the fiction itself. It's hard for me to see her as anything other than a product of her mother's upbringing of like, go get a man, get a man. And that is like your point in life. I am playing this game. I have five daughters. I've got to sell off. Like, let's you need to go get a man. Uh, And yes, she's selfish. And yes, that reflects very poorly on her family. But this is kind of what mom, not this. But mom wants her to be out there and mom wants her to mm-hmm. go and get married, right? This is like a, a, an idiot, you know, 16-year-old's version. Yeah, she's so version. young. She's so young. She, that's the thing. She's young and she's stupid. And this is what teenagers can be is young and stupid and she'd be allowed to be young and stupid. But this is her teen brain's way of doing what she thinks is like the right thing. This is what mom taught me how to do. Like, it's it's that, absolutely. But, okay, if we remove... Wickham as predator from Mm. the equation and just think about what Lydia knows. She knows that Lizzie, and and this is revealed later when she returns to Longbourn, um, but what she knows is that Lizzie had an affection for Mr. Wickham. And there's a a moment in which Lydia specifically like talks, like looks at Lizzie and is like, aren't you jealous of me? That I've like, I've caught Mr. Wickham who once was like the object of your eye. And that's like the kind of, and again, Lydia's young. She's a teen, but there is a sort of, it's not like she, there is like a sort of malice there. And I think there is, uh, you know, a sort of she she feels like she's 
succeeded in something by the end of this arc that she's like won something over on her sisters and that this is now a, a position of power um, that she can take on within the the sort of sisterly dynamic uh, and and so that's removing Wickham as a predator right right Wickham as a predator mm-hmm. is just it's fucking it's so gross and and it's horrible to think that you know this is a man who has preyed on young ass girls mm-hmm. f- like for years for years for years at least for a couple of years as far as we, at I least guess, Georgie but no yeah, no, no but we Georgie learn was... we learn later that when when um uh uh. Miss, somebody's having a Mrs. conversation. Phillips. Mrs. Phillips, mm-hmm. yeah, Mrs. Right. Phillips is having a conversation with Mrs. Bennett. That there have been several girls in the town that have been affected by right. Mr. Wickham. Been right. doing well, this for so a while. This is for me where I I want to like broaden it out and talk about systemic injustice and uh-huh. like community failure. Right, yeah. we talked in a previous episode about the the kind of tension between. Lizzie wanting to tell people about Wickham, at least her family, and the feeling that, like, if she did tell people, she'd be castigated for it because Wickham had the hearts of everyone he spoke to because he was such a charming man and because he had a sort of, like, he had a card to do whatever he wanted, right? Like, partially because of societal rules around marriage and around uh, gender, but also because people had been taken in by him. But as you get the the Philip stuff, it's like, oh, wait, there is a history of abuse mm-hmm. here. And to in that way, I also want to to put some of the blame there, which is like mm-hmm. the community failed. Lydia in the same way it failed, Georgiana in the same way it failed, any other woman on whom Wickham prayed. Because mm-hmm. what they what what ought to have happened was there should have either been uh, a, a state in which bringing him to justice and, and kind of outing the abuse that, that he was performing was acceptable or at the very least a system of whisper networks and support structures where the women were able to network and communicate about him being an unsafe man. These are the methods by which women like right. or, or not just women marginalized uh, uh, people in general communicate about predators in their in their midst and neither are really available to right. the people who he's targeting here which is what makes him such an effective and dangerous person. And also also, he's being protected by right. this like patriarchal Actively. state yeah. because if these women were to come forward and speak out against the abuse that they had had, they would be yeah. like tainted. Shamed. Yeah. yeah. They they yeah. would be deemed. And could not engage in the sort of like family making. No. And, and yeah. you know, ladder climbing and all the things that is that, that is partially their responsibility to do justice to their family and yeah. keep their, their family, you know, high up. Well, I think the other element here is that the the stark class divide being implied by the Mrs. Phillips intelligence. Yeah, people in town knew this guy was no good. When Lizzie was like, "Oh man, he's charmed everybody." No, he charmed everybody in your set. The people mm-hmm. who matter in the world of this narrative. Mrs. Phillips lives on the other side of that divide. She's mm-hmm. not a gentlewoman. Uh, Mrs. Bennett is her sister, but she did not make the jump to being a lady the way Mrs. Bennett did. So she still knows like. Trades, trades people in town, right. their families. And so when she reveals that, like, actually, there are a lot of people who had bad dealings with Mr. Wickham, mm-hmm. uh, those are the people who 
the well the more well to do set that Lizzie's a part of don't need to think about don't need mm-hmm. to give their you know give give a hearing uh to their views and so this is the other thing is that a lot of what he's done has sort of been pursued in the open but his status as at least a nominal gentleman via being an officer mm-hmm. protected him from being called to account for the stuff he was kind of doing in plain sight of uh you know com- common folk yeah right and shielded that disgrace from the the way he disgraced himself uh shielded that knowledge from making it into like the the gentle the gentle folk set right it's also so disappointing to see mrs bennett in this situation and how she moves so quickly between so many different like perspectives um, between, you know, that Mr. Wickham, I always knew he was bad. I tried to warn the girls, which is just blatantly not true. Yeah, no, she, um, she wanted the girls to she go said, out and get a man. Well, yeah. she, said, she said at one point that, like, Mr. Wickham sucked, but then immediately goes back on that as soon as there's, like, the glimmer of an opportunity for, for a marriage partner for one of her daughters. But... She says that she says she's like when she's talking to Lizzie and is like, oh, they will have to fight. They will have to fight. Oh, I hope Lydia consults me about the wedding dress, because if she goes to the wrong wedding Mm -hmm. wedding warehouse, uh, it'll just be a fucking mess. And like that sort of like the the, like (laughs) points at which Mrs. Bennett is coming at this and is like, they have to get married. They have to get married. But poor Lydia, like she's really, you know, such a victim in this situation. Every scene with Mrs. Bennett is just the fucking bunker scene in Downfall. Mm. Like that is like <laughs> like she is unmoored from reality. She is veering between grievance and delusion. Like that swing, that swing from uh, you know, oh we are ruined to oh make sure Lydia buys a wedding dress from this ware- warehouse because they have better they have better fabrics or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like what and and you can see the toll this is taking on the family. She's doing this uh in front of the gardeners who are there to help and mm-hmm. uh it is like you do get a sense of while Mr. Bennett has been a garbage husband uh and Mrs. Bennett has been left to shoulder a lot for this family, uh, you also do get a glimpse of the way in which she's kind of also been an absent parent. She's not someone that anyone in this family could ever rely on. Yeah. There's, um again, like, I, I know I always go to the text here. I know that's, like, become my uh, unofficial role. Um, but there's two things I want to note about the way this, this plays out in Chapter 48 of the book. Mm-hmm. One is that in the show, this scene where she's, like, debauches, intrigues, seductions. They say there's hardly a tradesman in town whose daughters were not meddled with. Uh, uh, that happens once in the show. In the book, it's clear that uh, the other aunt, uh, Mrs. Phillips, also visited them frequently and always, as she said, with the design of cheering and heartening them up, though as she never came without reporting some fresh instance of Wickham's extravagance or irregularity, she Mm. seldom went away without leaving them more dispirited than she found them. She showed up again and again and was like, yo, guess what? He did did another thing. Guess what? He fucked up again. He hurt somebody else. Uh, Over and like, I learned some new shit about him. And I kind of wish we got that like, yeah, blah, 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 rapid punch <laughs> just because like, hey, like this is what is happening. Yeah. This is the person that you've kind of let move into your lives yeah. a little bit. The second part is it does actually make it clear that Maryton had its opinion change on Wickham. 
It, uh, uh, Austin writes, all Meriton seems striving to blacken the man who, but three months before, had been almost an angel of light. He was declared to be in debt to every tradesman uh, in the place, and his intrigues, all honored with the title of seduction, had been extended into, into every tradesman's family. Everybody declared that he mm-hmm. was the wickedest of young men in the world, and everybody began to find out that they had always distrusted the appearance of his goodness. So everyone had privately been like... Mm. Fuck that guy. Man, this doesn't add up. Or everyone wants yeah. a taste of this drama. I think in that right. telling, like, that. how much of this even happened? Everyone yeah. is like, oh, damn, this is the juicy gossip. How do mm-hmm. I get my share? Um, it, it <laughs> continues, Elizabeth, though she did not credit above half of what was said, so she's like, mm, uh, believed enough to make her former assurance of her sister's ruin more certain. And even Jane, who believed still less of it, became almost helpless, more especially as the time was now come when, if they had gone to Scotland, which she had never entirely despaired of, they must in all probability have gained some news of them. In other words, like, Edward was spreading. Like, even if only a tenth of what was being said about Wiccan was true, that stuff was being spread so far and wide that the family's name at this point, people would know what was happening. And I think that it is interesting to make sure that we see Meriton go from the place where he was lauded to someone where like yeah everyone either either wants a part of the gossip or is reporting what is true mm-hmm. and has happened to their family some mix thereof enough to convince Lizzie at least that like oh yeah no this guy sucks I mean I think that's so evident when you get to Lydia's return and how uh, the location of her wedding and also <laughs> the way in which uh, her marriage was reported um, in the papers like there's I think all of – we'll, we'll get there later, but uh, yeah. I think all of that sort of speaks to the way that Meriton uh, mm-hmm. treats this sort of situation or would if it were if it were to be confronted with it. I want to make a, a hierarchy of blame here. Mm-hmm. Number one is Wickham. Number mm-hmm. two is society. Number three <laughs> is Mr. Bennett for being so negligent and being like, Lydia's an idiot. Who cares? Which we had discussed previously. And then maybe Mrs. Bennett – it has a tiny part of this for like just instilling the get a man at all cost. And that is my hierarchy of blame. I don't think Lydia's to blame here. I think she's a, a doofy teen. Yeah. She's a, yeah, she's a young teen. Um, she sure is. She is. Um, <sighs> so in the middle of this, uh, we do get more of Mr. Bennett kind of failing as a parental figure. I'm, I'm uh, like, Sorry, if if I may, I promise this will be very brief and it's very immature, but he definitely yells out no more balls. And I genuinely for a second, because I hadn't watched the first couple that had ball scenes, truly, genuinely was like, what the fuck? What it? What is he saying? You can't say that. People don't say that in this era. That's not that's not what this is. And then I I I, I realized how, what an idiot I was. But I had that actual real reaction where I had to pause the thing. Well, like, he is kind of on a puritanical tear at that moment, so it is <laughs> he possible is. That he was he was making a play, or maybe he was just lamenting the the uh, the the end of his favorite energy drink line. Uh, <laughs> but. I like I cannot begin to like overstate the degree to which I despise his like making fun of Kitty. Yeah, uh, in that sequence, Uh, like he has a heartbeat of like, you know, I I know that this is this is my fuck up and Mm -hmm. I should just own that. Uh, But then he's like, but damn it, I just love teasing my daughters. Time to threaten Kitty with being grounded for a decade. Fuck that. So mean. Yeah, it fucking sucks. Um, I hate. 
the way that he that the whole family like takes out all this shit on Kitty. Mm-hmm. And I mean, K- Kitty like puts herself out there for it a little bit when she's like, I don't see what's wrong with this. Like Lydia went and got herself a man. And then they're all like, Kitty, just shut the fuck up for once. <laughs> And just just learn something, learn something. Um, but it it's it's really it's unf- it sucks. Yeah. We need to call out, by the way, in terms of the 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 middle sisters uh, just failing to rise to the moment. Uh, just an exquisite lunch scene of oh, just like the best reactions. Like first of all, first of all, shout out to the uh, roasted potatoes in that scene. They look oh, yes, fucking yes. divine. Like I was like, those don't look potatoes. This look little like how are they so brown and crisp? Give me those. I want them. But Mary, Mary. Mary delivers a fucking sermon uh-huh. at lunch, basically about the delicacy of females' reputations, and like it is, it is unbelievable. We must like just the lines we must pour into each other's bosoms, the balm of sisterly affection, <laughs> uh, and like just the looks passing between everybody, just like as they're just willing this girl to stop talking. <laughs> but, yep. And thanks, Mary. Yeah. Uh-huh. Thank you, Mary. Yeah, we got it, Mary. And, we got and it. Mary's thanks, like, Mary. yeah, I did. You're welcome. Like, it's so good. <laughs> she's with, with so, ha- cuts her she's off. so content oh. with herself. Um, we, we missed something that uh, mm. we need to bring up, which yeah. is that Mr. Collins pays a visit. Oh, oh. that's right. To uh, offer his condolences to the family <laughs> for this disgrace, and does not fail. Mary's also great in this scene when she yeah. says, um, oh, "When she, <laughs> when she like shoots her shot at Mister Collins, <laughs> and is like, it has often been said that a friend in need is a friend indeed, sir." <laughs> God. Uh, oh damn! Where'd like, she get that from? <laughs> yeah, she's such and a witness. Like, Oh, yes, Mary. That is so true. So apt, Mary. And it's just like, oh, God, you guys need it. This was a missed connection. Exactly. Those two belong together. I watched the show twice now with Janine, and each time she makes the case. A friend of the site, Janine, that she sh- that these two should have gotten together. A hundred percent. Like it makes perfect sense. A hundred percent. And also just to get more scenes of them together. Yes. I would have. Oh, I want to see it so bad. Me too. I know those fics exist. I need to just read them because <laughs> I just want to see those two characters together as much as possible. It would be. It would be great. God, they would drive each other up the wall, and lo- and it would be the best. It would be the best. Um. So Mr. Collins shows up. Kitty like fucks off and is like, I'm not sitting down for this. Yeah. Same. And so it's uh, Mary. I'll stand in the room, but I'm never sitting down for Mr. Oh, Collins. Oh, I would never. Nope. Um, Gotta be ready to run. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Collins uh, sits with Jane, Elizabeth, and Mary, and Charlotte becomes no. kind of the worst. Oh, yeah, okay, 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 yes. I was like, Charlotte wasn't there. No, 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 no. no. She, uh, no okay, yes. Mr. Collins yeah, shows up, Mr. Collins shows up to like pay his condolences and is like, you know, no time can remove this disgrace. Like nothing will change. And it's just Thanks, like Collins. these are dire straits for your family. And I just better like, if she was dead. Yeah, literally says God. better if she was dead. Which is just like you uh. stop. You're wrong. <laughs> You're wrong. Also, that yeah. is literally though. To be fair, to give you the sense of how warped the societal stakes of this are, 
Collins what, is not wrong when he says that. That's, that's like the what people think. Right. That is what people think. He is like the proxy here for society. society yeah, yeah. yeah. For, for the moral judgment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and so he, uh, you know, <laughs> the death of your sister would have been a blessing in comparison. It's just God. what a line. Um, and Elizabeth and Jane are just just fuming and he keeps going he keeps going because why would he stop who would stop him (laughs) hopefully someone but uh mr collins uh delivers this uh absolute just betrayal of on charlotte's part and says it is and it is more to be lamented because there is reason to suppose my dear charlotte informs me that this licentiousness of behavior in your sister has proceeded from a faulty degree of indulgence, though I am inclined to think that her disposition must be naturally bad. Um, now, however, so that may be, you are grievously to be pitied. And like, what the fuck, Charlotte? Yeah, Char- Charlotte says like, oh yeah, her parents are bad. Her parents overindulged her. She turned out to be a brat. And then and then Mr. Collins is like, but I think she's inherently bad. Yes. And <laughs> both of those, like they painted a picture of the two of them at their home being like, hmm, what do you think went wrong? And my question is, is this Collins like pestering her and her going like, you need you need to understand what the Bennett parents are like. They they have five daughters and they probably just let Kitty and Lydia go a little too far sometimes. And is that being misrepresented by Collins here, or are they like staying up late and talking shit? I mean, honestly, if Charlotte wanted to end. A discussion with Mr. Collins, she just would have said, "Go to the garden or some shit." Like she just would have been like, "Go take a walk." I don't want to oh, talk shit, about. Did this. I just see Lady Catherine run by? Right. Yeah. yeah uh-huh. Exactly. Well, like, yeah, yeah. oh, was yeah, that yeah. a bird? Out she's, the... she's talking about closets out she, there. I heard yeah, her. I heard, I heard, her heard a closet. Good closet. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um. So that's yeah. Like no excuse because I think that Charlotte. It would have been if Charlotte was was going to be a loyal friend. She would have been a loyal friend and just like ejected from the conversation. Mm-hmm. Or if, and I could see kind of what you're saying, Austin, of like wanting to take the blame off Lydia and wanting to take the blame, uh, off the sisters and sort of like just like be like, you know, I think that it's just a family failing here. Like this was just a parental failing, and but I just I I I. Almost like the more cynical version of this is that Charlotte, Charlotte's idea of the marriage state sort of coincides with Colin's like moral stand, like high standards or whatever. And they come together here Mm. in a way that is just like doesn't show like doesn't show light for either of them. So like I, I do think there's a reading of this that like. Yeah, see, Charlotte, this is the other side of your bargain. Like, right. you become someone's partner. Yeah. Like, there's no way to do that, like, and be, like, not get implicated in that person. You know what I mean? If you're, if you're a family unit and half that unit is Mr. fucking Collins, <laughs> there is no way to, like, keep your hands clean and not, like, indulge some of the, like, snarky and simpering behavior that he engages in. But also, in her defense, though... This is the sort of thing people talk about. Like it just is. It, is. it just mm-hmm. is. Like, mm-hmm. like it doesn't matter how close you are to that family. Like, oh man, yeah. you hear about what's happening to the Bennets. Like, if I grew up like visiting their house, like hanging out with Lydia, 
yeah, I would probably say something. I'd probably be like, I, like maybe the way Austin laid out, being like, look, there's some context you need for this, need like, this. Like, like what that house was like. Uh, but also there's just an element of, you know, when your friends are involved in some serious drama, you end up talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. But Charlotte knows that fucking Mr. Collins can't keep his fucking mouth shut from Miss Lady Catherine. And so that's what's like the mm. fact that the next thing Mr. Collins says and is like, and I've consulted with Lady Catherine de Berg and she agrees you're all fucked. Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, Charlotte. You know that anything you say to Mr. Collins is going to be said to Lady Catherine. You've been in that fucking drawing room enough times that you know what their conversations are like and you know what he draws from. And yeah. you know that like the society thrives on gossip and and in in the in the you know private uh confines of their of their uh drawing rooms and recreation rooms and whatever. And that to me is what's like kind of damning to for Charlotte here is like, was that like kind of an irresponsible like misstep where she like wasn't thinking? I don't I have a hard time believing that when she at this point has spent enough time with Mr. Collins and Lady Catherine in that dynamic to understand that her words won't stay between the two of them even yeah. if she was like trying to you know have a conversation in confidence with Mr. Collins as like you know those those are people yeah. I know and mm -hmm. this is just the context for it and yeah. and whatever she knows that it's not like she knows if she knows the marriage state as it is if she's like mature and like can like abstract herself enough to like view it that way um, in such like sort of like an analytical, just like pragmatic way, she understands society and gossip and what words and and rumors can do to a family, and that's why I feel like this is just like un uncharacteristic of the Charlotte that we had known before, but maybe yeah. was just brought out by becoming a part of this sort of upper society, um, in sort of a malicious way, and that's like the it's cynical me. And I'm sorry for it. No. Yeah, no. it's it's a disappointing beat. Uh, I do have to give props, though, to Lizzie for just surgically mm -hmm. removing him from the scene. Like, yeah. she, he starts to sit down, and she basically, like, does the rhetorical equivalent of, like, throwing him through that window. Yep. Uh, but in a way that he doesn't know it. Like, she dismisses him and kicks him out of the house, but in a way that he is grateful for it. It is yeah. a remarkable, like, jujitsu move she pulls uh -huh. off there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, and it is, I think, further evidence of the fact that she has developed, like, she is becoming a more adept navigator of society. Mm -hmm. Yes. I always feel a clergyman cannot be too careful. <laughs> as if she said, we all have Ebola. Right. Like, it just... Well, no, because the thing that's so great is he says it first, because he's like, right. Lady Catherine says, we probably shouldn't even... Because what he's trying to do is be unctuous and be like, but of course, as your cousin, I, of course I would still... But she doesn't let him play that game where he gets to be patted on the head for being loyal to them. Mm -hmm. She's just like, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, Lady Catherine, she knows what's best, doesn't she? You should probably not be here. And and gets him the fuck out. Mm -hmm. um, what's interesting is like Charlotte is uh, in the background for the rest of this story at this point, right? Yeah. Like yeah. she shows up uh, in one scene in the future in the book. She's like, there are a couple of moments where it's like, oh, is this going to be a moment where they can like uh, uh, kind of 
patch up things via letter, but like that doesn't really happen on screen. We don't get a big, you know, uh, reunion between between the two. And it feels like this is one of those moments where like, oh, yeah, we used to be really good friends. Mm-hmm. And that's like she's shifted she's to that. She that's what it is. It's like, oh yeah, we used to we spent a lot of time together when we were kids. Um, and that's yep. an interesting element of this. As like we don't talk about this as a coming of age story because when we think of those, we think a lot younger. But there is a degree to which this is a story about moving from one stage of life to the next. That's like in the the core of it. Um, and the sort of changes in what your relationships are is a big part of that. So I just want to call that out. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Yeah, so I also just in the middle of a lot of this, we are getting these insert shots of Mr. Darcy being an action Darcy. Oh uh, yeah. The the sort of latent classism of the series is him descending into the depths of hell that is like uh working class London. Mm-hmm. Uh and it's just like it the, the entire thing is like lit like a Dickens adaptation <laughs> or like a uh like the Granada TV Sherlock Holmes series, like <laughs> smoke billowing across yeah. like filth encrusted streets. Mm-hmm. Jack the Ripper uh, is behind you the whole time. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Everybody yeah. just selling out their neighbor for for a dime. <laughs> Uh, it is it is just unreal, and Darcy just this capable gentleman, man mm-hmm. of the world, just navigating this effortlessly. Yeah. Uh, it, at some point in this episode, we get the shot of him figuring out where Mrs. Young is located. Remember Mrs. Young, the tutor for Georgiana Ugh. at uh, I try at the not school to. at Ramsgate. <laughs> Yeah, well, Darcy fucking remembers. He shows up at her house and just, like, throws that door open. He's like, Uh Mrs. Young, we meet again. Uh, Which is interesting because what's this whole Mrs. Young situation? I do not know. And I was saying before we started recording that I want to go to the text for this because I – how does she come back? Like, is she an accomplice to Mr. Wickham in right. some way that like she's is he get, paying her? Is she, is she getting a cut of this? She must be. Like is she, you know, faci- like facilitating this in some way? She was obviously facilitating the it with Georgina. Georgiana. Yeah. But yeah. how is she here again? Like what is her role here? Yeah. Are they like a pair of grifters that are like actually like she's basically like Wickham's like actual partner in crime Maybe. but also just like in life, but like they're just continue because Wickham vanishes for years, right? Like mm-hmm. Darcy does not know what Wickham does in the Here's, five years between when he pays him off and when he comes back. Yeah, right. Um, from chapter fifty-two, uh, there is a lady. It seems this is a quote. Uh, who's who's giving this quote? I'm, I'm not. I did not prep this one, unfortunately. There is a lady. It seems a, a Mrs. Young, who was some time ago governess to Miss Darcy, and was dismissed from her charge on some cause of disappropriation, though he did not say what. She then took a large house in Edward Street and has since maintained herself by letting lodgings. This Mrs. Young was, he knew, intimately acquainted with Wickham, and he went to her for intelligence. Uh, and he went to her for intelligence of him as soon as he got to town. And that's it. That's kind of it. We don't get any more Mrs. Young. We don't get any more. It's just, yeah, they know each other. They're intimately acquainted. So, like, so the game of Sherlock Holmes consulting detective. Oh, yeah. He went yep. to location like <laughs> 25D, Mrs. Young, <laughs> yeah. and just got the location. Yeah, 100%. Right, and then you're left to you know the 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 entry you read in the game of Sherlock Holmes consulting detective ends with like, and then she looks longingly out the window, and you're left to wonder why, and that's it, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Who could say? Um, and then but, you also 
But also, yeah, fuck Mrs. Young. Yeah, fuck Mrs. Young. Fuck. She's in yeah. the hierarchy of blame as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. she sucks. Um, you also get cuts of of Lydia and Wickham together in their like dank hole. <laughs> And in their sex hole, it's yeah, sex cupboard. It's like, uh, <laughs> it's it's just it's like it's so it sucks to see Lydia in this situation. It sucks to see yeah. her talking about marriage and see Mr. Wickham like so unwilling and just so clearly like those motivations aren't here. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really painful to see, you know, yeah. a young girl being uh uh so manipulated by this extreme like much older man um who has nothing but bad intentions in mind. Um uh and and so like just seeing the the difference in their sort of demeanors and how they treat each other is just like it's it's really painful and i mm-hmm. yeah. i hate i hate to see it i hate to see uh you know lydia be so wrapped up in her own narrative that she <sighs> has no one to kind of turn to to but there's is there there's like no going back i guess like in the way that M- Mrs. Bennett and uh, the rest of the family like propel this forward, there's there's no going back from where this has started without severe consequence, so like social consequence. Yeah, and she's got no one around to validate the few moments she starts to realize that this doesn't feel right anymore. Uh, like when she's like, "Why can't we go out?" Yeah, and he's like, "Can we, we go can't. to the theater?" We just have to stay. Yeah. Yep. No, he's just getting like aggressively drunk in the corner while like pouring over his letters. Um, and it also like really drives home the degree to which this was just a play for the sexual exploitation mm-hmm. of a young woman. Like mm-hmm. Wickham had no plan. Yeah. Like Lydia has no money. This like this wasn't like him going after Georgiana, which is basically 40 chess. Like, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. This this is basically he has like lured a minor. Uh, you know, to run away with him and taking sexual advantage of her, and she's starting to figure out like this. This is off. There's something off here. Like, why are we? Why are we trapped here? And then also, like, there, there's a moment where, you know, she spots Darcy coming down the street, and she's like, "Lord, you know, what's he doing here?" And immediately, you see the mask drop, and Wickham like goes full aggro. And is saying like, stop joking around. Like, who the who the hell is out there? And he's like really cruel and shitty to her. And she mm-hmm. like she sees it. And I think kind of the heartbreaking, you know, the 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 aspect of this is an actual tragedy. Uh, you know, Natalie, as, as you sort of allude here, is there's no stopping this train. The solution is going to be to marry her off to Wickham. Yeah, and that is a disaster. Yeah, like this is this is there's going to be a point down the road where she realizes she's too young now. And she's been taken too much advantage of, but there's going to be a point where she realizes this is this, this is not the life I wanted. This, this guy is not, sucks. This, yeah, I mean, he and, has a history of of mm-hmm. accumulating debts like that. Yep. Like just that alone is not like an ideal partner in mm-hmm. life. Like someone that you know uh, uh, hey, is relying. Nothing wrong with being a guy who racks up a shit ton of debts he can't pay off. I'm saying uh, just. <laughs> Just go to to school. Yeah. Uh (laughs) No, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. But, uh, 
you know. Uh, She's going to end up pregnant with her fifth kid. I'm just no money to feed them. I'm I'm worried about the financial security here because he is reliant on donation, like basically donations <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. for, Extortion. for right. commissions um, that he cannot afford himself. And I just, I, I pray, I pray for her is what I'll say. I really do. Like, I really do want the best for her. And this is just such a nightmare path to go down. Yeah. And I, Maybe there'll and be a happy war. happy ending involves sacrificing her. Oh. I just think there should be a war. Someone and should, he should get sent away. Just Oh, you mean versus... like happens in Death Comes to Pemberley? I just think maybe there should be a war. All right. Rob. We can't the story do does Death happen. Comes, wow. Death Comes to Pemberley. We cannot. Wow. The story does happen in 1812, by the way. So there is a chance mm-hmm. this gets solved in three short years. Yep. Uh, Boom. You know, as Wickham uh, comes to glory. Uh, at who who want? But anyway, uh, uh, so in in all this, we do finally get our first piece of intelligence uh, from the city, uh, and the fifth episode ends with there apparently being a solution. Lydia has been found. Uh, Uncle Gardner has sent a letter to Mister Bennett, laying mm-hmm. out the laying out the situation. And there's a great scene. First of all. The most stylish we will ever see Mr. Bennett in his summer outfit. Yep. His really nicely tailored summer jacket with a really cool flare. Did you notice this, Austin? I did not. I need to look it up. It's a good jacket. It it flares really noticeably <laughs> uh, at the at the waist. It's 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 a good jacket. Uh, not sure how I feel about the straw hat, uh, but look, <laughs> you know, when in Rome. Is but, that where they are? I guess when in Longbourn. When in Longbourn. Uh-huh. <laughs> Long- yeah. Uh, but Lizzie and Jane come out there, and he's like, I have no idea what the hell I just read. Like, I do not know what to make of what your uncle just just sent along. Mm -hmm. And they read the letter. Yes, okay. The marriage hasn't happened. That's not good. But we can make it happen. Probably best if we do it here from the city. But also, Wickham has terms before he agrees to marry Lydia. And it is, one, uh, she's guaranteed her inheritance, which was Already something she was guaranteed. So he's just asking that to be like reaffirmed that the share that uh, of cash that will be distributed on Mr. <laughs> Bennett's death will go to Lydia and she won't be punished by being uh, disinherited of that money. Right. Also, he wants 100 pounds per year, um, which for the Bennett's is actually not cheap. Like, yeah, that's, that's not a trivial cost, but it is cheap for resolving a problem like this is kind of the the view that Lizzie takes so little. And also, there's a lot of debts that need to be settled up. Mm-hmm. Um, huh. But weird, Mr. Bennett has the sense that this is the tip of the iceberg. He's like, there's no way. There is no way that this amount of money that I'm being asked to pony up is going to cut. Like, th- th- this is just enough. doesn't make yeah. any sense. So he knows this deal he's being presented is only his end of a much larger deal, but he has no idea how that came about. His assumption is Uncle Gardner, being a man of means in the city, probably laid out a lot of cash to resolve mm-hmm. this on his end. Yeah. Um, but either way, it is it is clear to Mr. Bennett, uh, even though he's grateful to have this nightmare starting to resolve, uh, it is clear to him that he is not being presented with the whole story. And uh, this episode sort of ends on 
Lizzie sort of reflecting on what does she actually want about what does she want for herself in the wake of the situation? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. She and Jane have some good conversations in this episode where Lizzie has basically revealed that Mr. Darcy was present when the news of Lydia's um, elopement came. Mm-hmm. And she re- returns several times this idea that Darcy is done with her. And Jane's kind of surprised because, well, why is that a problem? You don't care about him. Mm-hmm. And the episode ends with Lizzie saying, I cannot stand to think that Mr. Darcy is somewhere in the world and thinking ill of me. Oh. And then we cut to Darcy looking very stern in some kind of bank looking building. And that's the end. It's, he's a very official surroundings, right? Like she's imagining the, she's like, what does Darcy disapproving of you from a distance look like? <laughs> Apparently like him like glaring in uh-huh. a bank. I had I had, I had a, a note yeah. I had a note in here of one of these of one of these conversations where I said, "Why is he in a mirror, Erebos?" That's Erebos. <laughs> That's him. God. These like I will say for for all of the accomplishments of the film, filming and composition and editing and everything of this of the series, the flashbacks and presence of floating heads are very questionable. It was a different time. It was a different time. If uh-huh. In England, and oh, okay, that's, were, how, that's it how it worked back then. In if you were of means, if you were of means, you your could... head could just go anywhere. Oh wow! Again, rat, you know, it was a, an age of reason, so the mm-hmm. head was more important than the body. Right, it's of used to, It's a whole philosophical thing. Yeah, I've read Locke. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the I want to note, Rob is right. It's a nice jacket. It's a good coat. It's a good flare. I'll pull it up. Uh, not a great hat. Good coat. Good vest. I don't fuck with the hat because it op- It like gets bigger at the top. It's it also flares. The straw hat flares upward like he's that. the mad hatter. See, in this moment, he is flaring with his emotions right. more than most right. scenes right. with right. Mr. Yeah. Bennett. Right. You know, exactly. he has That's a lot true. of emotions. It's, it's all kind of coming true. out. Uh, also flaring his sideburns. Yes. <laughs> um, oh, those those are, are always are massive. Just tease those out. If you got it. Mm-hmm. If you got to flaunt Ooh, it. Yeah, that's right. Mutton chops. <laughs> oh. So we get to the next episode. Yes. Um, the last Mrs. episode. Mrs. Bennett. The final episode. Mrs. Bennett is moved immediately to ecstasy. Uh, all her, uh, you know, disapproval of Wickham forgotten. Dear Wickham and Lizzie must come to Longbourn as soon as possible. Uh, she's just, she's just angry the wedding couldn't have happened here. Uh, that you know that's a re- real shame how how all this worked out. Um, we get a shot of the wedding, uh, which has a great shot of Lydia being escorted by. Aunt and Uncle Gardner, who are just the nicest people. They really uh, are. They really just are. Like, they're the best. They're putting the bravest face on this thing. Like, he genuinely looks delighted to be, uh, you know, taking his niece to her wedding. Uh, I, They really are cool people. Um, really quick. And then really... we see Wickham. Okay, go, go ahead. on. Well, no, let's finish the scene. But there's the scene right before that I want to uh, talk about. But, uh, yes, continue. Yeah. No, so we see Wickham uh, at, the, at the altar uh, looking... A bit like how the hell did I get boxed into this corner? And then we find out how. Yeah. (laughs) When Darcy broaches into the frame, uh, just sort of launches himself to his feet uh, next to him and just sort of glowers at him. uh, And we get a sense that, you know, he's kind of holding a gun on Wickham to to make sure this thing goes through. So Darcy's on his neck. Uh huh. Yes. Um,. So, right before this, we have a conversation with Elizabeth and Mr. Bennett 
um, that it kind of reiterates uh, sort of the things at the end that were in the last letter uh, of the financial situation and stuff like that. Um, but Mr. Bennett says that he says, I wish I had laid by an annual sum to bribe worthless young men to marry my daughters, but I have not, I confess. The reason was, of course, I intended to father a son. The son would inherit the estate, no mm-hmm. part of which would be entailed away. So providing for a blah, 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 blah. Uh, and then Elizabeth like is like, you couldn't have foreseen the fact that we would be in this situation. Like a son also like might not have solved it, question mark. And then, and then Mr. Bennett says, I should have taken better care of you all. The satisfaction of prevailing upon one of the most worthless young men in Britain might have rested in its proper place. Um, but, you know, as it is, the thing is done with extraordinary, extraordinary little inconvenience to my inconvenience to myself. Um, I'm heartily ashamed of myself, Lizzie, but don't despair. It will pass. And this sort of becomes a recurring thing with Mr. Bennett where he's like, yeah, I'm disappointed in how I went about this, but mm-hmm. I'll get over it like yep. pretty quick. Like it's not going to take that long for me to get over what I fucked up here. And uh, this was just, uh, you know, I think it, 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 uh, it, illust- it colors a lot of the way in which, you know, Mr. Bennett treats the last three of his daughters in the sense that the first mm, two, he's point. accepted that he had mm-hmm. two daughters, but he they obviously kept going because he wanted a son. And then by the time they got to Lydia, they were like, we can't, we can't like we're take done. our chances so, again. Shop is closed. There is a specific thing that is worth knowing about what he means here. I think you're right. I want to first say that about like the fact that he's like, oh, I'll just get a son. It'll be fine. Yeah. And like, you don't know that it'll be fine. Yeah. But there was one particular reason why the particular thing he's afraid of, which is the his family will be destitute, is tied to him getting a son. Which mm-hmm. is when he says the word entailed here, he is not just using that as like a loose word that means he's like no part of it would be entailed away that's a specific uh law uh-huh. in which part when you die if you were someone who has land it goes to certain people and money and wealth yeah. the entailment laws say that it goes to your oldest male heir in this case because he doesn't have a if he had a son it would go to his son yeah and that son would keep the estate and all the wealth and would make sure that the daughters and his wife would not be destitute right instead it goes to his closest male relative, who is Mr. Collins, right. who he does not believe will keep his family from being destitute. Right. And so t- I, this is another situation where, like, in the hierarchy of blame, part of it is on this, like, terrible system of of governance yeah. that has ensured that women can literally cannot inherit the wealth of the patriarchs of families. Mm-hmm. Or they can, but only to a much, much, much lesser degree right. in a way that it can't be sustainable. Like, this system dowry. would rather get rid of like an entire family mm-hmm. from the the gentle class then allow a woman to be the head of the house and inherit all of that stuff right like and so he's saying in fact that if he had a like the the I'm again I'm not disagreeing with the idea of like oh right right but but there is that extra context by which you start to understand the gamble he was doing which was like yeah I had a couple daughters and I wasn't saving money Basically, mm-hmm. because that isn't how it, it's just like not the way wealth works in this yeah. world, which, in, you know, 
I, I do wish we'd gotten a little bit more into the economy of what it meant to be in someone like Mr. Bennett's position. Mm-hmm. I want to know how much money is that? How much money does the but estate it's generate? Universal? Right. Like, it seems right. like this is right. a, a situation that is not unheard of, but it is unusual right. for an estate to be like up against this law. Right. Um, so like it seems like it is an issue with the actual estate of Longbourn and its law and its sort of like rules governing how it is de- de- declined through family right. generations. Yeah. Uh, and, and is this also the case? Universal issue. Is this also a case about being a uh, a family that is that having Mr. Collins is the next in line, right? Because you have to imagine if you are someone who I'm trying to think of another family in this in this world in this uh, fictional society. Let's say we were all in a in a general noble house of of England at this period of time. I think I would be comfortable being like, you know what. Rob's going to get the money. Rob will take care of Waypoint, of, of, of Castle Waypoint, of House Waypoint. I trust Rob's ability uh, to, to take care of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I always say in my heart, I say trust in Danielle's compassion, trust in, in, in Rob's judgment, trust in, in Natalie's enthusiasm. And th- those three, they'll, they'll carry you it forward. You always say that? Yeah. Always Aww. say that. Uh-huh. That's always it. And it's also trust in Kato's uh, uh, work ethic and trust in Patrick's instincts. Those are like my guiding principles for running Waypoint. Um, so now we know, now, you know, and so as I, as I die, no, as I lay dying a different book, I'd be like, Rob will take care of it. Um, you have to carry my body across America, uh, to have a funeral. That's a great book. Um, I haven't read it in a long time. Uh, Wait, that's the title of the book. You have to carry my body across America to have a funeral. That's the title. That's what they read. They, when they made the reboot. Um, so yeah, like, but that isn't the case for the Bennett's because who they have instead of Rob Zachney is Mr. Collins (laughs) and fuck that guy because he'd spend all that money on closets and we know that to be true. Yeah. Just another interesting detail here too is the indivisibility of estates. Right. Like this is the other thing. Like why is Colonel Fitzwilliam just only Colonel Fitzwilliam is a member of these like prestigious families. Like what, like because the idea is to sustain this class system, you can't keep subdividing these estates Mm. into smaller and smaller parcels Mm -hmm. uh, to sustain like, high or, or like to sustain this kind of like high aristocracy you can't have like if uh you know the old mr darcy had two sons you can't divide pemberley then it's not pemberley you can't mm-hmm. carve out a I... plot of land on those grounds so the idea is these things are indivisible and second sons they go to the army they go to the church they get respectable occupations they're still like four gentlemen mm-hmm. but what they don't do is break up these massive concentrations of wealth that sort of undergird the entire structure. I'm in the middle of reading uh, C.V. Wedgwood's uh, The Thirty Years' War on Rob's recommendation, which is about uh, the war that maybe, you know, in the long run is what dooms the Holy Roman Empire as as the dissolution begins very slowly. And uh, in the early beginnings of it, um, she lays out how uh, inheritance works there. And it's the opposite of this in which there is just the creation of a countless number of minor princes, some of whom are considered voting members of the diet despite owning like a hunting lodge and a nearby village. Like they don't have shit, but they are a state unto themselves, loyal only to like themselves, maybe a nearby duke or a king or whatever, maybe. And then like God and the emperor. And like some people are just like, oh yeah, I don't have any land, but I basically count as a state because that's the way inheritance works here. And it's like, oh, this system is fucked 
but also this other system in which you need to have a single male heir is also fucked. All of these systems, it turns out, not good. Not <laughs> Humans aren't good no. at running humanity. No. That is no. just one thing I've I'm, learned. Yeah, I'm really enjoying that book, by the way. Well, Thank humans you. are particularly bad at handling how wealth and property transfers across mm-hmm. generations yes. without like creating something enormously fucked up. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, anyway. To this day. Um, yes. Yeah. So... We get the news that the wedding went through. Uh, Mr. Bennett puts his foot down. Mr. and Mrs. Wickham will never be invited to Longbourn. Cut to Mr. and Mrs. Wickham (laughs) arriving at Longbourn. Yep. And I look again. Yes. Lydia is a victim in much of this. Lydia does herself no favors in this sequence that unfolds. I think we also, like Natalie, you called out earlier, this is where she sort of teases uh, Lizzie for basically like, I landed the guy that you couldn't is is kind of the subtext there. Just got a little jab like, you wanted this guy, but now I have him. Isn't that funny how life Mm -hmm. works out? Like she has no, she has no sense. And uh, like, honestly, thank God. She has no it's sense. Best. It's better this way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like she has no idea like what actually has happened here. Yeah. Um, and she feels enormously happy with how things I mean, worked out. There's that specific moment where she like disses Jane. And I was like, yo, yo. you know what? No, no, you don't. I'm not. I'm going to leave. She's I'm going like, to leave. I can't I'm be I'm a here. married woman, Jane. I get to walk into the house first. And I was like, you better step the fuck back and let Jane walk ahead of you. That's your oldest sister. You insolent child. <laughs> See? Oh. She's a child bride. She She is. It's I, awkward. She's a child. This is I, hard. It's hard. Totally. She should be nicer to her sister. Yes. I, I yeah, know. Like, she should be Children nicer. can be assholes. And like I, I, she's I like. I agree. Her vibe is off. Her vibe is off. I agree. God. It's just hard. Yeah. It's just hard. This is hard. Uh, she, yeah. Pray for Lydia. I hope she. Yeah. Yep. I hope she figures it out and finds some means of living a, a, a full and, and positive life That's and right. distancing herself as best she can from mm-hmm. her terrible husband. Yes. Mm-hmm. She Take does. notes from Charlotte. <laughs> or maybe not because beans, Charlotte though. seems to. Mm-hmm. Oh, Speaking yes. of spilling beans. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Here we go. So Lydia's talking about her wedding day and she accidentally reveals that Darcy was there. <gasps> and... Lizzie's like, what? <laughs> and then the whole mystery is like, what was Darcy doing at the Wickham's wedding day? And she writes to Aunt Gardner, uh, so what's the story with that? And she gets a reply back from Aunt Gardner. It's an extensive reply in the book that um, mm-hmm. really shows the work that Aunt Gardner is putting in <laughs> to make Lizzie get out of her own way mm-hmm. and like get mm-hmm. with this nice boy. Uh-huh. Uh, Aunt Gardner is definitely like just trying to like clear the roadblock. She like that is that is the role of this letter in the book. In this, it's a little more uh, direct. She just writes, "Oh yeah, Darcy was down here. He is the one who found Lydia and Wickham, and then he took it upon himself to basically like hammer out this deal and pay off a lot of the debts and hook Wickham up with a new commission in a different regiment." Uh-huh. Um, and we weren't totally comfortable with him doing all that, but 
he just kind of said it was going to happen anyway, and so it did. Like, he's he's very forceful and just kind of, like, bulldozes the gardeners out of the way and is like, no, I got this. This is on me. We see we, we do see flashbacks, too. He does hold himself personally culpable mm-hmm. for, for this. In the um, book, this is also those flashbacks we saw of Darcy in the bank and talking to people in the streets and, like, going to Mrs. Young. Detective this Darcy. Is, the Detective yeah. Darcy is yep. this letter. This mm. is where that, that stuff is from. Yeah. Uh, when I was like, oh, I don't know who's right, where this is coming from, that was the letter from Mrs. Gardner being sent to Lizzie to be like, hey, here's what was going on, which is interesting because it means Lizzie sees those flashbacks, right? Like, yeah. in, the, in the text, Lizzie knows about Darcy going to do this. All of the detective work, not just, like, the money stuff, not just the, like, like hand on shoulder, you're gonna fucking do this. Yeah. But also all the lead up to it and hunting them down and all that stuff. Yeah. Lizzie learns about that, which is which is I think part of the part of of it's important to understand that aspect of it too in terms of what her fondness ends up being for him, like the degree, the deep degree mm-hmm. of of thanks and like appreciation. You know, appreciation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Totally. And then, hmm. Well, do we want to talk about the way? Wickham gets ethered at the end of that scene. Yeah. Please. I do. Wickham yeah. gets ethered at the end of that scene. <laughs> uh, ooh, when he like, he, the fact that he like walks up to her and says, my dear sister, like, ooh, mm-hmm. it just. It was it weird. Just, there was a long trail of slime night. behind him too. <laughs> it just oozes with grime. He's just the, He's worst. the worst. He's the worst. He's the worst. And basically, Lizzie and Wickham go for a little walk. They take a turn together, sister. Uh, and, uh, you know, Mr. Wickham sort of inquires about Darcy. Um, and This is Georgiana. This is George. Oh, my God. Yo! Are you fucking kidding me, my guy? Yeah, he's like, oh, my God. He was Run like, him over with that fucking carriage. Right? Ugh. He was like, uh, she's uncommonly improved within the last year or two. When I last saw her, she was not very promising. Really, bro? She wasn't that promising, but you were eyeing that ten thousand dollars that she was gonna inherit. She wasn't that promising, as you were trying to elope with her the last time you saw her on the rocks of a beach. Uh huh. You fucking asshole. Uh huh. Anyway, uh, uh, um, but Elizabeth does something great here, which is basically says, "I know all about your shit. I know your game. I know everything about you." Um, and brings up, she, she says, uh, um, oh God, Mr. Wickham just, just sets, just sets it up for her. Just absolutely sets it up for her. Mm-hmm. Just, th- just, just tosses her the pitch. And she's like, it, he's like, did you go by the village of Kimpton by any chance while you were like over in, in, uh, Derbyshire by Pemberley? And uh, she's like, I don't fucking know. Who the fuck knows what's Kimpton? And he's like, Oh, I only bring it up because that's the that's the pad I was gonna, I was promised. You know, that's that was gonna be my house. Um, and Elizabeth was like, Still trying. He's still, still trying. trying. Still grifting. Yep. Still trying. Make him get help. And and like, this uh, is it's it's, it's pathological. It's, it's, yeah, it, is, it is. It is. It is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, and Elizabeth's like. Oh, and and how you should have liked uh, making sermons there. Sermons. Remember oh, when you were when you were mm-hmm. down that path? Uh-huh. Sermons. Sermons. You remember this? And uh, and she's like, 
I did hear that there was a time when Sir and Macon was not so palatable to you as it seems to be at present Yo. that you actually Running declared your, your resolution of never taking orders and were compensated accordingly. And she's <gasps> like, I know every yeah. fucking step. Yeah. Every cent. Every cent. I know I saw the receipts. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I know everything about you. And then he's like, oh, fuck. Oh, God. fuck. And Elizabeth is like. "You've done, Oh, the book is even better because she's like, oh, I, I, you, would you like making sermons? And he's like, oh, let me tell you about my sermons. He's like, exceedingly well. I should have considered it as part of my duty. And the exertion would have soon been nothing. One ought not to repine, but to be sure, it would have been such a thing for me. The quiet. The retirement of such a life would have answered all my ideas of happiness, but it was not to be. It was not to be. Did you ever hear Darcy mention the circumstance when you were in Kent? And uh. it's like, oh, you're just setting yourself up all the way. You couldn't even, like, uh, God, it's so good. It's interesting because then he's relying on the fact that Darcy wouldn't open up to right. Elizabeth. Right. And he, like, that's, so, which just further, I know I just said this, like, 30 minutes ago, but which further adds to the significance of Darcy opening up and sharing this story with, with, with Elizabeth before. Yeah. But anyway, Elizabeth is like, simmer down, <laughs> settle down. Ch- g- fucking Doofus. You ass. Yeah. <laughs> and know that we are brother and sister now. So let us not quarrel about the past. And although... My first read on this was like, come on, like, do more. But what I think she's actually saying here is that I know what went down and we are like bound now. We are brother and sister and I'm going to keep an eye on you. I am watching like, you. I yep. know what's up and I have like the interests of my sister in mind and I will not hesitate to, you know, try and check you. Um, however that may be. So, yeah. anyway. I'll break your face and it's shitty mutton chops. Yeah, fuck Yo, Mr. Wickham. I mean, that's that's a good reading because, like, it is initially puzzling why she is being so nice to him. And, like, yeah, she's kind of skewering him. But, like, she could be, like, why is she even being polite at this point? Yeah. And it is this kind of, because mm. you're stuck with this guy. Yeah. And so, like, she can't. She can't throw him out of the house. She can't, like, deliver him the beatdown he righteously deserves. But what she can do is basically, like, call attention to the fact that, like, look, he's protected by the fact that he's now part of their family mm-hmm. and they're stuck with him. But Kiss nothing the fucking is forgiven. Ring. Nothing is mm-hmm. forgotten. Also, literally, mm-hmm. like, all right, now, pay respect. Moi. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's great. Uh, and so... Sadly, the Wickhams can't stay. Wickham is being posted to a northern regiment, uh, which I think is the equivalent of manning a radar station (laughs) in Alaska in this (laughs) in this universe. Good. Uh, And he bids he he bids farewell not by saying goodbye, but as the French say, "Au revoir." (laughs) What a worldly man! I hated Mrs. Bennett. Just like giving him a kiss on the cheek and just absolutely just taking him all the way in and just fully no regards, like just everything dropped. And it's just like, let me give you a kiss. And I was just like, come on, dude, you need to fucking, Mm -hmm. you need to do more. 
So I think as the Wickhams depart on their carriage toward what is undoubtedly a bright future, uh, there's an epilogue to this book that we should probably talk about in, in the next episode. We should break it here uh, before we delve into the last, the last act, the end game of Pride and Prejudice, as it were, uh, which sees Netherfield reopened uh, for, for business, the Bingleys and Darcy moving back into the neighborhood, and a long-awaited... Uh, duel between Lady Catherine de Bourgh and Lizzie Bennet. Uh, but all that is to come. And also for that final episode, I think it would be great. Well, Austin, it was Austin's idea, but I'm going to take credit for it. Oh, you. Uh, I think it would be great, uh, with my impeccable judgment, of course, uh, <laughs> to get some letters from those of you who've been listening to the series. Uh, you know, if you're if you're new to the series, or if uh, like me, you're visiting the series for the umpteenth time. Uh, if you just want to write in with your thoughts, with, with questions you have, uh, with, with maybe different readings, uh, we'd love to get into some of that uh, on the next episode. Uh, but that will do it for this week's installment of our uh, Pride and Prejudice, Be Good and Rewatch It, uh, the end point. Wait, where what? Gamingadvice.com Thank you. For, the, for the questions, because this is a gaming podcast. Right, it sure we're is. in the end game. We're in the end game. Yes, thank you, thank you, Danielle. Exactly. There it is. Wickham plays games. He's a gamester. He's with a your heart. He is a gamester. This is the section of the book, by the way, where they finally call him a gamester, which is which is good to know. Good, good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, All right. So send questions to gaming at vice dot com, uh, and gamester. we'll be back with the God. It's so good. Sorry. <laughs> Why didn't we name the site that? By the way, anyway, the gamester. Uh, you should yeah. see the list. It's probably on there. It's better than Bazinga. Gamezinga. Gamezinga. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Gamester Zinga. Um, we'll be back next week with the final installment of our Pride and Prejudice. Be good and rewatch. Will it be the uh, final? It will. You be. know the. Like the Russian army before the French, uh, it does. We like the end of this series does retreat uh, before us and go deeper into the countryside. Good. I saw a word piece no. trailer linked. Do with not what go I gentle into the good night. War, yeah. War and peace. Uh, pride and prejudice. You can follow me on Twitter at Rob Zachney. Uh, Danielle, where do people find you? At Danielle R I. Natalie. Oh, at Natalie Watson on the internet. Austin, where can people find you? At Austin underscore Walker. And our thanks to Two Mellow uh, for the theme music to to the series. Uh, you can find uh, more of Two Mellow's music at twomellow.bandcamp.com. You can keep up with all that we do over at waypoint.vice.com. And there are other sites and social handles as well. Uh, you can follow our producer uh, on Twitter at A underscore Cato underscore appears. Uh, but until then, uh, we will we will leave you. I need to. Why do I not have the script for this fucking thing? This is the this is the real this is the real issue. Why don't uh, Why don't you have the script for this thing? Because I never got a comfortable. Ver- I never got comfortable with a version. I got of you. Yeah, watch it yeah. outro. You know how it is. Like I, I can do, do waypoints I? Yes. in my sleep. Yeah, 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 totally, totally. I know how yeah. it is. We just need a new out. We need like a thing to say at the end. Yeah, we don't have a thing for be good and the rewatch. Projector it. has been reeled. Mm. It is gone. What if we just said be good and rewatch it? Yes.
that's, that's kind of corny. Be good. That's kind of corny. That's kind of corny. I saw Austin give that a... Mm, that's It's corny. fine. It's fine. Isn't that why we named it this? This is why in lore reasons we just like scroll up and down and just... Yeah, and like, just boop, we just say this. But I can't do that because this this is... It was an encouragement of vice. And had I been the rector of Longbourn... I, no, that's not as good. Oh, do it with the do it with this. With the no, because it's a lore reason things. This isn't lore reasons. This is Rob's Rob is in charge okay, right now. Okay, Rob, make a decision. Make a decision. I trust your your judgment. Remember. Please be sure to rate and review us on your podcast <laughs> platform of choice. Uh, you know, I like to think we're a five star podcast, but that's not for me to say. And based on this this outro, which is going on for like fifteen minutes, uh, if they got six stars or ten. Give them all to us. Just, just, just a sh- just, just a shower of stars uh, on Be Good and Rewatch It. Uh, hope you'll join us for the final, final, final part of our Pride and Prejudice. Uh, be Good and Rewatch It, uh, and please check out our other podcasts. Uh, we do. This for will point. be mid packs, right? When this is out, when is this out? This Next. will be out Wednesday. Okay, we're at packs tomorrow. Hey, but we're going to packs tomorrow. If you're at packs, hi. Please. Come see us on Saturday. We will be having a pa- panel in the Dragonfly Theater. Is that right? Yeah. One thirty. I don't know. 12.30? It's look on your, the schedule. Look in your program. Look in your program. Please refer to the program, please. And uh, we will be doing something ridiculous. An unlicensed stream on Twitch of the final episode of Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> Yay. Weird takeover. If only. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and feel free to check out other podcasts. They're all like this, but with better outros. Oh, I thought you said uh, and <laughs> check out other podcasts. Just generally speaking. Just get more into podcasts. Yeah, have you thought about Look, podcasts? Pivot to podcast. Yeah, we did it. <laughs> we absolutely did. I don't have much of a choice. It was a thing that happened. But here we are talking about shows we like. The theater is Being now good. bright. And rewatching it. Peace. <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't. it doesn't work. It's a good show title. It's just not. Uh, here's what I looked at the back of the we baffling in here, which this show is certainly baffling. Um, the sound baffling. And on the side of it, it, there's like a card and their thing is just listen. And that's a good. They did a good job of having a slogan. Why don't we have one? Just watch. Just watch. No, no, that sounds like a threat. Just, be good. <laughs> just, you, just, just you fucking just watch. Just you Wickham. watch. <laughs> Don't believe me, just watch. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to leave. Here's how I'm going to go out. Bye. <laughs> Bye, all. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for stopping by. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. (laughs) (laughs) What is that from? 
It's complicated. Au revoir. <laughs> Au revoir. Oh, wow. He left on that he one. Did. Damn. He did. Bye. Don't blame him. Can't be blamed. I have to find the video for you. Also, can I use this room to make a call? No. Uh, I need to wrap this pod. You need what? I need to wrap this pod. I yep, need I need to get this. Get out. I need to unload this from my brain. It's taking up too much memory. Systems are running slow. I'm having to <laughs> close tasks. Your GPU because, is just through the yeah. roof. Oh my god, Natalie, when's the last time you read uh Pride and Prejudice? A really long time ago, and I really need to reread it. Like I, I downloaded Dude, it. Dude, I started on my getting iPad. into it last night. I don't I almost did it last night and I was like, I don't want to get sucked into this before bed and not sleep. But this weekend, I'm going to read it. I'll tell you, like, reading it now as, like, a grown-ass person not being made to read it for school and just yeah. having the time to, like, just read it. Yeah. I'm like, fuck, this book slaps. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me we have this recorded. I almost spit out my coffee. Yeah. I no, almost, I'm, almost, I'm, almost. I already hit record. I think it we need to good. start in on this book slaps. <laughs> It, oh God, I am so excited because I want to know more about the uh, role of Miss What's Her Name. Fuck, Mrs. the the woman who like facilitated Mr. Wickham and Georgiana. And oh, then, Mrs. Young. Yes. Mrs. Oh, there's Young. a whole. I have a theory. I have a theory. I need to read the book because I need to know more about what the fuck was going on. I'm sure she's getting a cut. Waypoint book reading. <laughs> Waypoint Book Club. Well, and like, he's a kind of a Bonnie and Clyde situation where like Wickham is actually like hooking up with Mrs. Young. Oh, I'm and sure. Like, where is Mr. Yeah. Young? Who could young say? Anymore. In the ground. Yeah. Dead that, in a ditch. Exactly. Mr. Young found Take dead in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, who knew he had a uh, cocaine allergy? He, Very I'm worried. <laughs> I'm worried about Mr. Young. I really want to just get confirmation on his whereabouts. Yeah, maybe All Mr. Right, Wickham is Mr. Young, and it's just fronting. Well, what? look. Here's the question: Do you think that's his real name, like Mr. Wickham? Because I think maybe it's a little play on Trickham. Oh <laughs> shit! Or Wicked. Now yep. theories. Wicked Trickham. Shit. Wicked oh Trickham Wickham. I think Wicked Trickham Wickham is definitely Wicked his real name. Because it's a very long con. No, it's just a really long con. Mm-hmm. Like, like starting with Mr. the father? Wickham. Yeah, he's like, here's oh, the here's the long game, shit. kid. What if Mrs. Yeah. Young <laughs> was previous Mr. Wickham Sr.'s wife? And then Could they be. separated for for treacherous reasons. (laughs) Treacherous. And she became Mrs. Young, and then he, or she stayed Mrs. Young, and he became Mr. Wickham. I don't know. See, I think there's there's a lot. I'm sure it's in the book. I'm sure it's all in the book. (laughs) It's all in the book. Uh, All right. Uh, You just have to read uh, The the Silmarillion. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Jane Austen's Silmarillion. Uh, to get the story. All right. Uh, Want to count on, us in, Natalie? Yeah, I'm on time. Uh, Want to go for five? Sure. Cool. Perfecti. What? Nothing. 
I accept. Someone-